and welcome to the podcast of Community Action Suffolk. I'm joined on the podcast today by Kelvin Silburn, who is from Riding for the Disabled for Woodbridge and District area of Suffolk. Hi, Kelvin. It's lovely to have you on. I'm so looking forward to talking to you about the work of the organisation and in particular about your experiences recently in terms of volunteering. So thank you. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. So tell me a little bit more about Riding for the Disabled, how you fit into that, how long you've been involved. Um, You're a trustee, I understand. That's right. Uh, I've been involved since uh, mid-2018. I worked for BT for 40 years. And with um, the prospect of retirement looming, I wasn't quite sure I could uh, hang up my hat and do nothing. So I offered my services to um, the local RDA group who were... I'm delighted to say, please do uh, take me into the fold. Uh, so that, that's how I got involved. Um, it, I, I initially, my intention initially was just to do a bit of hands-on volunteering, um, but I've, I've gradually got more and more enthused by and involved in the work of the organisation and um, became a trustee about three years ago. In terms what's, of what we do, the core of the work of the charity, yeah, tell, tell me a little bit about that. The core of the work and what it provides for people in Woodbridge and the sort of wider area. Okay, if you look at RDA throughout the UK, it's an organisation that's been in existence for about fifty years. Uh, it's an umbrella organisation um, that a number of local groups, about five hundred in the UK, including ourselves, are affiliated to. It started with the idea that. Riding a horse provides physical therapy for people who have particularly mobility issues. So if you're sitting on a horse that's walking, it's constantly throwing you out of balance and you you therefore have to adjust your position constantly. And the muscles that you happen to use to do that are the muscles that you would use to walk. So for people who have difficulties with mobility or difficulty walking, you can exercise the muscles they need whilst they're actually doing something enjoyable. Uh, so for children in particular, it's great because it's a it's a great distraction. It's great fun and it's it's therapy. Uh, in recent years, it and particularly post COVID, it's become very clear that we also do a lot for people's mental health and well being. Um, both our participants and our volunteers, people get an awful lot out of working with with horses in particular. Uh, there are. It's an area that's taken off in terms of academic interest. And there have been a number of studies into the benefits for people's mental health of caring for animals. And it it seems to be, it doesn't matter whether it's a goldfish or a hamster or a dog or a horse, there is a benefit. But time and time again, the studies say that the biggest benefit comes from, from horses. I'm certain that I've read about equine therapy specifically as being something that's acknowledged as being hugely beneficial to people who perhaps had trauma or had certain issues with mental health, but it, it brings great benefit to people. Yes, it, it, it's something that started with organize, organisations like the Priory Clinic, who you may have heard of in connection with the sort of gambling and drug addictions of celebrities. And one of the reasons it took off in that particular context is what we do is, is very people intensive. So for some of our participants, you need two or three volunteers per participant to do that on a commercial basis is really expensive so for a clinic dealing with with the rich and famous it was great for it to take off um with groups like ourselves 
then it has to be done primarily supported by volunteers. Understood. So you mentioned the the big V word there, volunteers. I, I think that brings me on to something I really want to make sure we're covering right now. You and I have spoken previously. I know that volunteering is increasingly an issue for you as an organisation. Tell me a little bit more about that. What dilemmas does that cause to you and how severe is that in terms of your, of your kind of longevity and the, the hopes that you have for being the scale of operation that you seek to be in the Woodbridge area? Okay, there's two or three questions there, but um, I think at the moment we've sort of hit a perfect storm coming out of COVID. I think there are people uh, who have looked at their lives and said, I've been doing this for a while. Um, maybe I'll now do something different. I did it myself. I, I, I did voluntary work for two organisations and now I've decided to focus on RDA. So it, it, to that extent, I'm, I'm guilty myself of stepping away as a volunteer for another organisation. We then have the sort of cost of living issues. So some of our volunteers are unfortunately needing to take paid employment to um, make ends meet. Um, others are looking at the cost of travelling. Um, we're, we're in a fairly rural location. You need a car to get there. Um, and so perhaps they do, they're visiting less often. And... That also applies to our participants. So increasingly, we are seeing growth in people coming with groups, whether it be children coming with schools or um, young adults coming with um, daycare centres or older people coming uh, via a care home, for example. And they do that because it's much cheaper and more convenient to run a minibus for half a dozen people than it is for you know half a dozen people to be driven out by by. Uh, parent or carer or other family member so those groups um are making a commitment to people that they support and they expect our service to be reliable okay so so let's talk about where where that leaves you with reliability have you actually reached a stage you know as as awful as it is to consider but have you had to turn people away have you been in a situation that the service has had to significantly reduce its offering not to reduce um but pre-covid we were very clear we were in a very fortunate position that the, the group faced an uncertain future in about 2017 when it's um it's home in in hosley closed and um it was having to look for a new home and we've ended up in a fabulous purpose-built facility in clopton the thing with a large, fabulous purpose-built facility is it comes with a fairly fixed set of overheads in terms of the ground rent, the electricity bill. So if we don't fill it in terms of using the time available, the cost per session is, is much higher than we can sustain. So pre-COVID, we'd already come to the conclusion that the only way for the group to survive was to grow because there are economies of scale what we've had to do is put the growth plans on hold and in some cases scale back so for example as well as horse riding we offer carriage driving we used to do that three days a week we're now running two days a week we we desperately want to get back to three days a week but that again means people turning up and being being able to help and support so let's talk about those people that you want to help and support what does that look like is that people that have 
spent a lifetime with horses they you know they've always ridden or are there other sort of behind the scenes roles that are sort of limiting your potential growth what, what kind of people listening to this episode right now might be able to put themselves forward and say yeah actually I could benefit this organization people with experience with horses are always valuable to us but by that's by no means the only thing we need so for example for safety reasons our carriages are accompanied by two people on bicycles. Um, so anyone who can ride a bike who's prepared to go go out and ride, we, we have one in front, one behind, just for safety reasons. Um, in fact, anyone who can fix a bike, because uh, you, we, we have about a dozen bicycles that have been donated in various states to repair. Some we can use, some we can't. We have to fix punctures. Um, we... Are on a on a on a site I think is about forty acres. There's a good deal of land management, so anyone who, who wants to come along do a bit of weeding or hedge trimming. Uh, we got a we got, got a guy who's now retired but um, loves driving tractors. So he and is a bit of a handyman. So many many things that we do, um, just that generally keep a keep the the site and the facilities ticking over and in the sort of right state of repair and clean and tidy right so we're being correct to assume that this because the organization primarily is centered on riding it's not a horse specific charity and that's not your only way of getting involved no absolutely not Okay, well, I very much hope that there will be people out there that might listen to this and think, actually, you know, this is something I can move into the, my my world, my week, my opportunity to engage with the community. And of course, you know, you've been involved for a long time. You must have seen some of the huge benefits to you mentally, physically, you know, just in terms of increasing your community, that sense of interaction. It must have been a significant benefit to you and to your life by taking part in this organisation for so long. Yes, there is there is definitely a great sense of the community. One of the things that um, I missed most when I left work was the the little community in the office that you could have a chat with every morning and and just a water cooler moment. <laughs> yes, yes, and just chew over the world's problems and put things to rights. Uh, and that's something I've I found with with RDA. Um, I am someone who's who's been around horses not all my life, but since my twenties. Um, so that's also a, a positive benefit for me and i have to confess that um we we closed for a few weeks when lockdowns were first announced until until we could work out under what rules we could operate and um having been away from the place for several weeks i i i just i walked back in walked into a field and hugged a horse yeah. because it just it it was a moment of uh, and the horse was completely oblivious and wondered what on earth i was doing it was a moment of normality in a mad world at the time yeah, I think it, it kind of took us all by surprise how much we would be impacted by that loss of day-to-day interaction in, in the most yes. simple way. So I think for, for people who are just looking for a reason to get out of bed, a sense of purpose, um, a sense that they're giving something back, um, a sense of community, that that's what it offers volunteers. And would we be talking about opportunities for people across the ages? You know, might you be considering people as young as maybe 18 or right the way through to people like yourself who've been retired? Or is it, have you got in mind an optimum sort of age and stage of life that you're looking for people? Um, we we do take people from about 15 upwards. The, 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 the younger end, we do really value experience with horses. And we, um, and we are limited in numbers because obviously people under 18 do need 
supervision for um, sort of self safety reasons. Um, other than that, there is not really an age limit. So 18 to 80, come along, we'll find you a job. Oh, fabulous. So don't stand still next to Kelvin too long. You'll be given a task to do. Indeed. So, so tell me then, anybody listening to this episode, who should they contact? How do they get involved? What's the next best step for them to, uh, to um, get involved? If you want more information, it's the um, the ever-present website, www.rdawoodbridge.org.uk. There's a, um, a button at the top of the page marked volunteering. Click that. It will give you all the details of volunteering opportunities, both permanent and ad hoc and a, a bit more about what's expected an application form um, and contact details for the office okay, no excuses it really is that simple yes and and one thing i would like to add is one of the things we struggle with most is finding people who are prepared to take on positions of responsibility on uh, a voluntary basis so if there's anyone out there with accounting or bookkeeping experience or just um handy with with figures we are looking desperately for a tre for a treasurer and I, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say without a treasurer in place the future of the group however successful we are in terms of what we do and the clients we attract um, begins to look questionable wow that sounds serious and urgent and and I don't think you're alone in finding that a role like that is often difficult to recruit into so um, you know, certainly I think um, within what we do to promote this episode, we'll make sure we mention that in the show notes and we'll do everything we can to help you support um, at Community Action Suffolk in trying to find that person. And I would encourage anybody who's listening. And if you have got those kind of bookkeeping and finance background skills and you're thinking maybe about retiring or maybe about having a little bit of uh, extra spare time deployed elsewhere, then that sounds like a really good opportunity to me. And as yes. you say, Kelvin, it could be the lifeline for the future of RDA and Woodbridge. Yes, and for, for anyone wanting to give back a bit who can't turn out on a weekday to do hands-on volunteering, this is something you can do weekends, evenings, whenever you've got free time. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed, and perhaps we should check in with you in a few more weeks and uh, and see if you manage to find someone. Okay, yes. Thank you so much for joining me on the Community Action Suffolk podcast, Calvin. It's been lovely to chat to you. If you want to know more about RDA, we'll leave details about the website, the organisation itself, and Kelvin's contact details in the show notes for this episode online. Thank you again. Please keep sharing your stories about the voluntary sector with us here at Community Action Suffolk, and we'll see you for another episode very soon. Mm -hmm.